a man finds himself pulled into the bowels of hell. And it turns out that hell isn't what you thought it was. <laughs> it, is, it is eternal torment. But uh, we'll get to that story. It's quite odd. I was a little disappointed. I was a little disappointed how hell turned out. And then we meet a young boy who has a terrifying dream of a blood-soaked bathroom. But that's all it was, right? A dream. Well, that's what he thought. Until as an adult, he found himself walking into that exact same bathroom. Today on Dead Rabbit Radio. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. I'm your host, Jason Carpenter. I'm having a great day. I hope you guys are having a great day too. I hope you guys had an awesome weekend. Hope it was lots and lots of fun. We got a lot of stuff to cover, so we're going to get started right away. First off, someone who always knows how to have fun, whether it's the weekend or not, is today's book buyer. (laughs) I think I need to give you guys an official title. I got a new book sent to me. So everyone, get on your feet and give a round of applause for Tayshana. Woohoo! Yeah, walk on in, Tayshana. Bring in that book cart and all of them books. Tayshana recently purchased off my Amazon wish list the book about the history of Blockbuster Video called Built to Fail, the inside story of Blockbuster's incredible bust. I actually got this book. Thank you so much, Tayshana. I got this book. As I was leaving to go to the doctor to get my COVID medication, they put me on some pretty gnarly antivirals and they locked me. They they didn't lock me. Let's not exaggerate. But I did have to sit in this pod outside of the medical center for a while. And I read like half the book. So it was a great timing. And I love Blockbuster. I love those video stories. It's a really interesting book. The answer, it starts off by saying, I'm sure you think that Blockbuster failed because of Netflix. That's what everybody thinks. That's what even Blockbuster executives think. The reason why it fell apart was because Netflix came around and knocked them off. But that is not the case. That is not the case. The book does a really good job detailing the fall of Blockbuster Video. And that was a big part of my childhood. So thank you, Tayshana, for sending me that book. You're going to be our captain, our pilot this episode. If you guys can't support the show, if you guys can't buy me books, that's totally fine. It really, really is. Just help spread the word about Dead Rabbit Radio. That helps out. So, so much, and I see you guys doing it. I see you guys talking about it online, so that is absolutely fantastic. Tayshana, let's go ahead, and I'm going to toss you the keys to the Dead Rabbit Dune Buggy. We're going to leave behind Dead Rabbit Command, we're going to drive all the way out to Michigan. Bing, 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 And we're not going to be spending a lot of time in Michigan, so if you're hoping to go see all the tourist sites in Michigan, are there any? Probably not. But if you were hoping to see those things, you just walk around, you're like, well, that's about it. Nothing historical happened here. That's We're not going to be here for long. Don't worry. Because we're actually going to hell. We're going to hell. I'm sure that's far more entertaining than Michigan, but we have to make a stop here because we're about to meet a priest named Gerald Johnson. And Gerald Johnson recently posted this story on TikTok about the time he went to hell. (laughs) I know it's a little weird, right? There's going to be a lot of questions you have about this. I actually think he probably did really experience something. It is kind of weird that if you had happened to plummet through multiple dimensions and found yourself in the one known as hell, 
You would post about it on TikTok. Maybe he's given sermons on this. I don't think the first thing he did when he came back to life was like, give me my phone. I have to release a one minute long video on this. He probably talked to his congregation, things like that. We know about it because of his TikTok videos. It's gone viral. The time he went to hell. I mean, if anything's going to go viral, right? It's the story of a priest who went to hell and came back. Gerald Johnson said back in 2016 he had a heart attack. Michigan was just too exciting for him. And he's like, I can't take it anymore. He had a heart attack and he said, I felt my soul leaving my body. This was it. I was done. And it was time for me to go up and sit with the Lord in heaven because I'd done nothing but good works on earth. I dedicated my life to Christ. So that's that's part of the deal, right? I did that. So now I get to go to heaven. But what he realized very quickly was that he was headed in the wrong direction. So he says that hell, literal hell, the dimension that souls go to be tormented until the end of time, is in the middle of the earth. He goes, that's true. There's not a molten core there. Well, it is probably pretty hot down there, but... He goes, you actually go through the planet. You're like going through like the crust. You're like, ah, going through the mantle and all that stuff. It's just like you're bored. You're looking at your watch as you're passing dinosaur skeletons. And then finally, he found himself in hell and he couldn't figure out why he was down here. He should have gone to heaven. All of the good works he's done. Why is he in hell? Just the theory, just the idea right now of a priest going to hell, that in and of itself is fascinating. The near-death experiences being negative is also super fascinating because we see most near-death experiences are heavenly or this peaceful utopia, pure bliss. We did a whole episode on negative near-death experiences. I'll put that in the show notes. But we're about to meet a man. We've already met him. We're waving goodbye to his soul as he's getting dragged in hell by demons. We're like, see you later, man. We're taking the watch off of his body. He's getting pulled into hell. But... He goes on to say the things I saw down there were, quote, indescribable. Which I would imagine, I was saying about this the other day, I will be disappointed if the afterlife has a floor. I was looking at some image, some some fractal version of the afterlife, and there was a, a floor. And I go, I'll be really disappointed that when I die and I go to the world after this one if there's ground. I want nothing underneath me. I just want to fly around and and not land. But knowing that there's ground is a limiter. Even if I could fly through the ground, I'm like, I'm just underground. It's kind of boring. Like, are there tunnels down here? I don't know. But I don't want there to be any ground. Does that make sense? You're like, no, Jason, that might be the weirdest thing you've ever said on this podcast. And you've said a lot. If I die and all of a sudden, like, I'm standing on a cloud, I'm going to be like, what's in this cloud? <laughs> what's in this cloud? That's my first thing, not where all my loved ones. Did we win the war against the insectoids? When I die, the first thing I'm going to ask is, what's in this cloud? <laughs> I'm all swimming around in it. They're like, oh, you're destroying our firmament. No ground. I don't want any dirt. Not that I'm against dirt, but what I'm saying is ground is a limiter. So if I die and then I just appear on a slightly more peaceful Earth, I'm going to be kind of bummed out. I mean, I love Earth, but I wonder just how abstract things are. So when he said what I saw was indescribable, I go, 
No ground, no ground, right? There was no ground down there. I think me and Mr. Johnson, I don't know if he goes by Father Johnson, but because I don't believe he's a Catholic priest. But me and Gerald Johnson, where we differ, I think, is that when I say indescribable, I would think it's so abstract that the human mind, there's no words in any known language that can explain what's in front of me. Like, it is truly indescribable. He then goes on, though, to describe in relatively... I mean, it's just, it's underwhelming is what I'm getting. <laughs> that's a long way to say it. I was like, oh, that's hell. That sounds kind of lame. Now, I, again, if you were there, and you knew you were going to be there for all of eternity, it would be the most horrific place to be. It was indescribable, but then he tells us, he gives us two anecdotes from hell. One is terrifying, but still a little underwhelming. He says when he's down there, he goes, everything is spoken of telepathically. You instinctively know what's going on everywhere. Now, that's cool. That's cool detail, right? That would be something I would think would happen in the afterlife. The limitations of language. Why would those be a thing in the afterlife? Plus, most people probably had their tongues ripped out the first time they showed up there. But anyways, he comes down and he goes, I knew all this stuff instantly, telepathically. He goes, I saw... (laughs) I saw a demon... He didn't explain what the demon looked like. Was it like a really cool demon? Was it CGI? Looked like a guy in a rubber suit? We don't know. But anyways, he saw a demon walking by. <laughs> there, that's kind of funny, right? You're just like, oh no, I'm in hell. And the demon's like, hey, hey, Jerry. This demon walks by and he has a human pet. He said there was a human walking on all fours like a dog his eyes bulging out of his head and this demon had a leash around his neck and was walking him like a dog and the dude's skin was completely burned off it was just all like just open sores muscle tissue being exposed to the element and he's crawling on the ground his eyes bulging out of his head and the demon is walking him like a dog and he goes i telepathically knew that this de- this is creepy. Like, again, <laughs> you can hear like Jason, that dog part was pretty creepy too. I thought this was creepier. He said, I knew that when that man was born on earth, that demon who's now walking him like a dog, that demon was sent up there to torment him from babyhood to adulthood to death. This demon had followed this man around from the time that he was a child to the time that he died, constantly tempting him, constantly leading him from the path of salvation. And the demon had won. The demon had broken this man over the course of his life, and now this man will forever be a slave in hell to this demon and he goes that's how demons work if they can earn your soul if they can constantly keep you off the right path of why you were put here on earth in the first place they have you as their slave forever in hell i was like that's really cool that, that's really cool world building i had never heard that theory before I mean, obviously demons tempting people that's nothing new but the idea that the demon gets something out of it other than just satisfaction of leading people astray it was the fact that they earned that soul in hell i was like wow that's really creepy (laughs) but i also keep picturing this guy walking 
on his hands and knees. Now, see, if I went to hell, like, I, here's the thing, like, I would imagine things way grosser than that. <laughs> You're like, Jason, the, the goal isn't what, what you can imagine. And please don't say what is going to come out of your mouth, because I'm sure it's horrific. It's not what you imagine, it's what's really down there. If I saw a man walking on all fours, flame on fire, right, his skin had all been burned off, and a demon had a leash around his neck, I would wonder, I'd go, hey, demon, why does he still, I'm <laughs> hoping the demon's out there, like, oh, we didn't think about that. Wouldn't it be better, instead of him walking on his hands and his knees, why don't you cut off his calves so then he's walking on, like, open stumps as well? Because a dog doesn't have long legs you know you know he, he walks on all fours with those little those little, i'm just just cut the legs i'm just give me the cleaver i'll take care of it like i would assume or turn him into a dog turn him into, turn him into snoopy or something turn him into a dog but with a human brain and he's constantly like no no i used to be a man i used to be a man and now i'm now i'm snoopy in hell there's way worse stuff you know what i mean so, I mean, it's like, that is really cool world building, the fact that the demons earn your soul. But, it, like, I, listen, just to be clear, I don't want to walk I don't want to walk on all fours for all of eternity. That would suck, but I think it would be way worse if I was walking on, like, open stumps. <laughs> yes, Jason, you're right, you're right. Demons aren't cruel enough. Well, if you think that, we got one other place to visit. Because this guy listed two places... One, he saw a dog walk by. Uh, not not a dog. He saw a man acting like a dog walk by. And I also thought, that's some people's fetish. If they read that, they're like, can I get to hell, please? They're like, they used to be really good people, and now they're like, just start messing stuff up. They're like, pushing kids over. And then they're like, all right, I'm going to go to hell. I'm going to be one of those dog people for eternity. Ruff, ruff. That, you know, like, people are into that. Some people are into that. There's another part of hell that he went to. That is all music. All music all the time. It's very interesting. I remember there it is stated that Lucifer... I don't know if it's actually in the Bible, but I it might be. But I remember growing up that hearing that Lucifer was the angel of music. And there was always a group of Christians who believed that music itself was satanic. That's an interesting thing, because music is such a part of the human condition. Any baby, any baby at all, will start moving to a rhythm. It's just part of the human condition. <laughs> There's a demon behind him dancing. He's like, oh, we're going to have a fun time when you're in hell as an adult dog. But anyways, you as babies dance, everyone has some sense of rhythm to them. Part of the human condition, but I've also heard that Lucifer is the angel of music. Like, all music comes from Satan, even Christian music. I, I actually want to do a little more research on that. I might do a that as a topic one of these days because it's fascinating. Anyways, this part of hell is the musical part of hell, but it's demons singing the songs. And you're trapped there. And you have to listen to demons sing these songs all the time. I mean, this is this is a big ramp down from the guy who's a dog walking around on hot coals for the rest of time versus you're like sitting there you're listening to music you're like okay this is bad but it's not that bad you're pointing out at that guy he names here's the problem i remember my dad said this my dad's southern baptist minister growing up 
He goes, don't ever describe heaven or hell. He goes, most religions don't really go into detail with the afterlife because the thing is, is it gets outdated really, really quickly. If you had a religion today, if Southern Baptists were using the definition of heaven based on statements made in 30 AD, it would be completely outdated. It would be stuff like, you'll sit there and you'll see wheat fields as far as the eye can see, and all of the olive and date trees you could ever imagine. And people nowadays are like, I don't want any of that stuff. I'm glu- I have a gluten intolerance, and I hate olives. So you can't really go into detail of what heaven and hell is because the terms just become outdated. And I think that's the thing here, too. You, you can detail hell and you can go, there's a satanic symphony there to punish people, specifically who listen to secular music on earth and didn't listen to music that uplifted God's message. So now they're trapped here. But he names the song. Like, if you just leave it at that, you're like, oh, that would be horrible to hear a bunch of demons, this horrific cacophony of guttural noises. No, they're actually singing, don't worry, be happy, which you imagine would get kind of old after the one billionth time. Don't worry, be happy, and apparently also Rihanna's song, Umbrella, which has long been rumored to be a love song written to Lucifer to begin with. But... I, I mean, like, that would, it would, just for the novelty alone, right? It would be like going to see, like, the Chuck E. Cheese band do their version of Like a Virgin by Madonna, right? Just the novelty of it. Sure, it's going to sound terrible, but it would be, but it would be something you could say, it was so weird. I went to Chuck E. Cheese the other night. They were playing Like a Virgin. And you're like, what? So that's the, that's it. That was all that he could tell us about hell. He might have other stuff that truly is indescribable. He, it was like a very short TikTok video, and he says just talking about it makes us nauseous. Oh, I guess I should wrap up this story. I was like, oh, and he's still in hell to this day. He's TikToking from hell. He said that while he's in hell and he's listening to this horrific music, he's like, no, no, Bobby McFerrin, what have you done to my soul? He starts to get really mad at God, and he's like, God, I was your servant on earth. Why did you send me to hell? And God reaches down and picks him up and is pulling him out of hell, and he goes... I thought this was interesting because this this is true, I think, for everybody. He goes, you did good stuff, but you hated your enemies. Not only did you hate your enemies, you in your heart wished that I would punish them. You wanted divine, eternal punishment against people who had simply wronged you over, on the galactic scale, fairly minor things. You're not on earth to wish my punishment upon other people. I've forgiven you. If you can't forgive them, then you are you truly forgiven? It's basically like a life lesson and brought him back to life. He said, go forth and tell the TikTokers what happened here. It's an interesting story. I think he had some experience. I'm not saying that he's making it up or he's a fraud or anything like that. I think he probably did have some sort of experience. They do have negative non-death experiences. I just thought it was fascinating, one, that you had a man of the cloth get thrown to hell. And then also just like, yeah, I feel like that hell was a little underwhelming. I guess I just thought it was going to be, there's going to be like more pizzazz or something like that. Or even just scarier, right? What would be scarier to you? 
you die. Which <laughs> is that's already terrifying. Quit, quit mentioning that sometime we're all gonna die. You die, and then you find yourself walking on all fours. <laughs> You're on fire. <laughs> your skin's been seared off, and there's a demon has a leash around your neck. Now, again, some of you guys, you're like, you like that stuff. You're totally into it. What's scarier, though? That, or you die, and it's pitch black. You can't see anything. And I'm just going to start listing off horrific stuff. I think you guys know where this is going. Like, imagine it's in the pitch black. Forget being able to see other stuff, because then you can be like, hey, Johnny, you see a guy he's being treated like a pony? A demon's riding him? You're like, oh, that guy's way way worse off than I am. I'm just walking. That guy has a demon on his back. You're pitch black. You think you're all alone. There's no one around you, and, like, your skin is falling off. You can actually feel it melting off of you. And you're trying to keep it out of your mouth and out of your eyes and stuff like that, and you're just, like, screaming. And then... <laughs> Okay, I'll just stop. Because <laughs> I can honestly go on for another five minutes. I was like, and then the maggots show up. <laughs> you can feel the last meal you ate before you died rotting in your dead corpse of a stomach. And then the maggots are like filling you up. You're like, bloat flies are shooting out of you. <laughs> that's, what, that's what hell, that's what I would imagine hell was like, right? You can feel your body decaying in the grave. And then... Okay, never mind, never mind, I'll stop, I'll stop. I just thought there'd be more pizzazz. If hell is just people walking on all fours, listening to bad pop songs, that's not, that's not too bad. That's not too bad. <laughs> between bursting, <laughs> in between bursting in the darkness, your body just being exposed to the elements of millions of maggots hatch. It comes really out of your innards who are listening to Don't Worry, Be Happy. <laughs> I think we, I think Father uh, Jerry Johnson, had, I think his hell is probably better. Tayshana, let's go ahead and touch to the keys of the carpenter copter. We're leaving behind hell. We have a new pet. We have this little... <laughs> you're like, Jason, don't bring him on the helicopter. <laughs> it's like, oh, he's so cute. I want to save him. His eyes are bulging out. We're going to save this guy. Uh, we're taking this guy out of hell. Tayshana, fly us out of hell. We're going to head all the way out to a house in the suburbs. So we're walking out of the carpenter copter. And we see this house. It looks like every other house in the area. We don't have a location for this story. We don't really have a time period as well. Or names. This was posted online by someone going by the name Emotional Cress 1272 We're going to go ahead and call her Carla. One day, Carla's sitting at home alone with her stepdad. We're going to call him Tony. Now, Tony's the stepdad. He's a relatively recent addition to this family. He's been with them for a couple years. You have Tony. You have Carla. You have Carla's mom. Carla's little brother. That was the family unit. For years until Tony showed up. And they've gotten married at this point. <laughs> Not Carla and Tony. Tony and the mom have gotten married at this point, and he's officially part of the family, and they're making it work. They're really making it work. But one day, mom's gone, little brother's gone. It's just Tony and Carla sitting on a couch watching television, watching a movie. In the middle of the movie, Tony goes, You want to hear something just crazy? Like, I've told your mom about this, and I, I, I don't really think she 
believed it that much or I, I don't know. I don't know, but this story is insane. This story is so crazy. Now, who's going to turn down an offer like that, right? You're sitting, you're sitting at home alone with someone and they go, hey, you want to hear something insane? Carla goes, sure, yeah, what do you got for me? Tony says, when I was a boy, when I was a boy, this is long before I met your mom, long before you and your brother were even born, really. When I was a boy, I had a nightmare. I woke up in the dream. And I walked through the house. It wasn't the house that I lived in as a boy. I'd never been there before. I walked through this house and I find myself in the bathroom of that house. And in this bathroom, there's a witch. Or to, to be more specific, a witchy looking woman. That's how he really described it. It was a woman who looked like a witch, but I'm standing in this bathroom and there's this witch standing there and she's laughing maniacally. And he goes, Carla, this is the weird thing. I had that dream. And it's terrified me so much, I remembered the exact details about the bathroom, including the pattern of the bathroom tiles on the floor. Like, it terrified me. I thought about that dream for years. And years went by. And I started dating your mom. You remember that old house you guys lived in? The house you guys lived in when me and your mom started dating? Carla's like, yeah, I remember that. Tony goes, I remember the first time I came over to that house. When I went into the bathroom of that house, that was the bathroom from my dream. It was the exact same bathroom I saw Years before I even met your mom. Long before you two were even born. I had this dream. That I was in the bathroom at your old house. Carla's like that is insane. That's an insane story. Like what are the chances of that? Were you like seeing the future? Coincidence? Like how many different layouts of bathrooms can you have? That is quite odd. Tony goes. That's not the insane part. Tony said, when I was a kid, I had this dream that I walked into a bathroom, bathroom that I didn't recognize until years later, when I swung by your old house. Had a dream that I was in this bathroom, and inside the bathroom was a witchy-looking woman laughing maniacally. And the bathtub in that bathroom was filled to the brim with blood. And I look into that bathtub and floating in the bathtub of blood was three severed human heads. The witchy woman is cackling. Her laugh is echoing through this small bathroom as I'm looking down at these three heads Floating in a pool of blood. Now when I had that dream. As a young boy. I didn't know who those three heads belonged to. But eventually. Years later. 
I recognized them. They were the heads of your mother, your brother, and you. Tony said, I never told you guys that story. I didn't even tell your mom that story as long as you guys lived at that old house. Never told you. Because I figured it would terrify you. <laughs> Freak out, right? But since we've moved, I've told your mom. Now I've told you. Wait for the little brother to come home. I'll tell him too. He goes, I've told your mother. I've told you. I don't know what it means, really. It's just a horrifying nightmare. I knew exactly the bathroom that I saw in my dream when I walked into it in real life. And then one day it dawned on me. I recognized those heads. It was you guys. Carla said, she goes, I did end up asking my mom if she had ever heard this story. And the mom responded, yeah, he told me about that. But didn't seem to offer any other sort of read on how she felt about the situation. Was she concerned? Did she brush it off? Did she think he was joking? And that's the other thing Carla goes, she goes, I don't know if he's messing with me. Like, he could just be making this up to push my buttons. I mean, you know, everyone, no one wants to be at a severed head in a bloody bathtub. Is he making it up to push my buttons? If that's the case, why would he tell my mom about it? Did he make it up as a joke? Did he make it up to scare me? Or is it real? And she goes, really? Either way, it's terrifying. Like, if he's just joking, it's a pretty terrifying joke. But if he's telling the truth, it's a fascinating story, right? There's some key details missing. Again, we don't know really the age that he had the dream. Was he like seven? Well, I guess it doesn't matter if he's seven or 27. The fact is he had a premonition. It's interesting because it's half of a premonition, right? He was able to visit a bathroom that he wouldn't see until the future. He was able to recognize the severed heads and the blood that he wouldn't meet until the future, but he hasn't chopped off their heads. So it was a premonition of something that just some of the details were real. But what's interesting about this story, I read this, it was posted online, and kind of the, kind of the gist I was getting from Carla was, this is really creepy, but at least we don't live there anymore. So the danger has passed. Other than the fact that you may have a stepdad who, if he's joking, is telling a terrible joke. It's actually kind of funny if he's joking, but, you know, to the kid. I, we don't know how old she is either, but the, the idea, I guess, kind of is that the danger's passed. And even he felt like that. Like, he did not tell them about this while they stayed at that old house. He waited until they moved on, and now... I, I Listen, let's look at the story from his point of view. I'm sure he was absolutely terrified when he first had the nightmare, but then meeting a woman and joining her family and becoming part of that family and having that image in the back of your head that you saw their bloodied heads float around in a bathtub full of blood <laughs> you're like do you take her i do and then you go to kiss the bride and it's like you're just imagining a severed head with a bridal veil on like did he have flashbacks to this 
The kids are like, let's go to the water park. He's like, no, no. It's red dye day at the water park. Do they do that? They should totally do that. They just put red dye everywhere. My point is, is though, is his point of view. Once they moved out of the house, he probably figured the threat was gone. Whatever it was, right? Was he the one who chopped their heads off? Did the witchy woman chop their heads off? Was it symbolic? Was it literal? It doesn't matter. We don't live there anymore. The danger has passed. But has it? It's not like that house was blown to smithereens. It's not like the new owner came in and did a complete remodel on the bathroom. They just moved out. That same house from that dream may be sitting there, bathroom completely untouched. Just because they don't live in the house anymore doesn't mean the premonition won't come true. Just means it didn't come true then. Was the dream a warning of something that could happen to this family once he entered their lives? And more terrifying is this dream a warning of what he himself may do to this family. If you had that dream, and then years later you met that family in real life, would you ever let your guard down? Because on the one hand, it could be that this family was butchered by a third party. But on the other hand, there's such a layer of malevolence to this story that it almost seems like Tony himself is the murderer. I don't know why I get that feeling, but I feel that that's what this story is describing. This young boy is not seeing the work of some maniac. Well, he is, but he's the maniac. Everything about it just feels so deeply personal. And the threat has not passed. If this is a prophetic dream, the threat has not passed. If anything, it's become more of a reality because now Tony is a part of the family forever. I'm not saying Tony's a murderer. I'm not saying Tony has these dark thoughts when he's sitting with his family. I'm not saying that someday Tony is going to slaughter his wife and his two stepchildren. I'm not saying any of that. But, if it did happen, that's the kind of dark and evil twist ending that would cause a witch to cackle with glee. DeadRabbitRadio at gmail.com is going to be your email address. You can also hit us up at facebook.com slash DeadRabbitRadio. TikTok is at DeadRabbitRadio. Dead Rabbit Radio is the daily paranormal conspiracy and true crime podcast. You don't have to listen to it every day. We're glad you listened to it today. Have a great one, guys. To listen to what I say in your life, expect some trouble. But when you worry, you make it double. But don't worry. Be happy.